Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, February 12th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Democratic presidential primary race has a new frontrunner after yesterday's vote in New Hampshire. Lyft hits a milestone but still expects to lose money, and electric scooter companies are bracing for a crackdown in Germany. Plus, from biotechs working on vaccines to telemedicine companies caring for the sick stuck at home, investors are bidding up companies working to alleviate the effects of the coronavirus outbreak. The FT's Hannah Kushler will explain. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Bernie Sanders has claimed victory in the first primary of the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination race. And this is a movement from coast to coast, which is demanding that we finally have an economy and a government that works for all of us, not wealthy campaign contributors. At the time of this recording, the 78-year-old senator from Vermont had taken about a quarter of the vote in the New Hampshire primary. Close on his heels was the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, 38-year-old Pete Buttigieg. Amy Klobuchar, the U.S. senator from Minnesota, kept the race tight. She raked in roughly 20 percent of the vote. Former Vice President Joe Biden, once considered a frontrunner, finished fifth behind Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Meanwhile, the field of Democratic candidates is now down to eight. Entrepreneur Andrew Yang and Colorado Senator Michael Bennett ended their campaigns last night. The remaining contenders will shift their attention to Nevada, where Democrats will hold their next contest in the race for the nomination. CNN exit polls found that voters in New Hampshire viewed Mr. Buttigieg as the strongest opponent against Donald Trump. Lyft surpassed a billion dollars in quarterly revenue for the first time in the last three months of 2019. It beat Wall Street's expectations for $948 million. But the news wasn't enough to placate investors. The ride-hailing company said it still expects to lose money until the end of next year. Lyft has a goal for profitability before necessary payments, such as interest and tax, for the end of 2021. Its rival, Uber, on the other hand, said last week that it expects to have its first profitable quarter with those same adjustments by the end of this year. As for its fourth quarter, Lyft losses widened by about $107 million from the same period as last year. Shares in Lyft were down more than 5% after the news to trade at about $50. This compares with an issue price of $72 a share that investors paid about a year ago. And now, turning to a different form of transportation, electric scooters might no longer grace German streets. On Friday, German politicians will vote on amendments to the country's Road Traffic Act. It would let individual cities restrict the areas where e-scooters can be parked, or let cities banish electric scooters altogether. Critics of e-scooters cite widespread vandalism, erratic driving, and multiple accidents in cities such as Munich. Germany is Europe's largest market for these vehicles. Berlin is leading the backlash. The German capital is served by six apps, U.S. companies including Bird, Lime, Uberjump, and European companies, Cirque, Tier, and Voy. A position paper compiled by these six operators argued that the proposed law would deny a growing industry the opportunity to prove itself as a building block of the mobility of the future. If the proposals pass, the new regulation would designate e-scooters as commercial entities, 
entities that would need to apply for permits to use public spaces, such as sidewalks. And here's a story you should know more about. The deadly coronavirus has now surpassed key levels met by the 2003 SARS epidemic. It's killed more than 1,100 people. And yesterday, the World Health Organization officially named the virus COVID-19. CO stands for corona, you know. VI stands for virus. D for disease, so COVID. And Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell told the U.S. House of Representatives yesterday the central bank was monitoring COVID-19's risk to the U.S. economy. I think we know there will be effects on China through some part of the first half of the year and China's close neighbors and trade, major trading partners in Europe as well as Asia. And we know that there will be some, very likely be some effects on the United States. I think it's just too early to say. Meanwhile, investors are betting on which biotech companies will come up with a vaccine or treatment. The FT's U.S. Pharma and biotech reporter Hannah Kushler has more. So I think everyone's looking at which companies might benefit from trying to alleviate the outbreak. I mean, a lot of this stuff is really long shots. As you mentioned, there's companies that are working on vaccines. The likelihood of getting a vaccine ready for use in patients before the outbreak finishes by itself is actually quite small. So these are long shots, but they're often very small companies that maybe they have a vaccine that they think that they might be able to build on and adapt. So for another coronavirus like a SARS, or a MERS, or they have a platform that they think could be useful. So we've seen big moves in stocks like Vaxart, Innovio Pharmaceuticals, Moderna, Novavax. So these are mainly, I mean, Moderna's fairly sizable, but most of these are actually quite small stocks. I think some investors see these as a little bit as fast trades, you know, get in, get out while people are being hopeful, looking for things that might do well. I don't know how many of the investors in these vaccine companies are going to stay in there for the long term. What about other healthcare stocks, non-traditional ones? So interestingly, actually, telemedicine stocks have done pretty well in the last couple of weeks since the coronavirus outbreak really spread. So we've seen Ping An, Good Doctor, which is a Chinese remote healthcare provider. It's absolutely huge. It has like 300 million users, gaining 27% so far this year. Um, And in the US, Teladoc Health has soared also 27% since the start of January. As people, investors are really saying, well, people are sick, they want to get health care, but they're nervous about leaving the house. So what are they going to do? They're going to talk to a doctor on video chat. So Hannah, what kind of treatment are these companies targeting? So as well as the companies that are working on vaccines, we also have companies that are looking to see whether they can adapt existing potential drug candidates that they kind of have in trials for other things to treat the coronavirus. So Gilead Sciences, which is quite a big biotech company, jumped 5% earlier after they said that they were working with the global health authorities to start a trial with its drug Remdesivir, which is not yet approved by any regulator, but people think may be able to treat coronavirus because there was just one paper really that said that if this was tried on a patient and it worked. Another company is Regeneron Pharmaceutical that said that it is working with the US Department of Health and Human Services on antibody treatments for the coronavirus. Now, Hannah, can you talk a little bit about the health companies and supply chains that are actually getting hit by the side effects of the coronavirus outbreak? 
Just like many other industries that have been disrupted by the outbreak, the drug makers are looking at whether they could be affected and their supply chain. So the FDA says that the 80% of active ingredients in pharmaceuticals come from outside the US and the majority of those come from China and India. Um, we recently spoke to the CEO of a large Indian's generics maker who told us that he thinks by the end of February, if the outbreak is not over enough that people are not back to work in these factories for these ingredients, then the Indian generics makers that make the drug from the Chinese ingredients may run out of supplies. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Culture Call, the Financial Times' transatlantic culture podcast, is back for season two. Join us, that's me, Griselda Murray brown in London. And me, Lila Raptopoulos, in New York. We'll be getting together to interview the people breaking new ground in culture. We're also making sense of the trends shaping life in the 2020s. And we'll bring you behind the scenes of the FT's award-winning life and arts journalism. In our first episode, we chat to Marriage Story's Noah Bombach. So hit that subscribe button and let's discuss our way through the most exciting cultural moments of 2020 together. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.